Okay, so welcome to the six continents vote. Last week we started with the first of the six continents vote, which is Amuna. So just to quickly, in three minutes, okay, to review some of the things that we spoke about last week, okay, we said that the mitzvah um, of Amuna is found in the Asar Kedibro, the Ten Commandments. It's the first of the Ten Commandments, Anokhi Hashem Lokecha, Hashem Seitikam Yashem et cetera, et cetera. Okay, and we said that there are five factors that we have to be aware of in order to fulfill the mitzvah of Amunah. Firstly, is that Hashem, the world has one God, okay? God created the world, there is one God, and we said an extension of that is that he had one purpose in creating the world, which he said is Hashem, to delight in God's presence, and that is another lesson in and of itself. Okay, we said number two, the concept of Hashkacha Pratit, that Hashem runs the world. He didn't just create the world and then leave on vacation. He's consistently a part of the world, and yes, we did discuss that there are different opinions as to whether he is involved in all the nitty-gritty, which we would call Hashkacha Pratit, versus Hashkacha Klalit, which is a more sort of global interaction with the world, and there are different opinions about that, but in the end of the day, God is involved actively in the world. Okay, that's number two. Number three, we believe, or at least, that he brought us out of Mitzrayim. Okay, God took us out of Egypt. Then we believe that he gave us the Torah. And lastly, we believe that just like God took us out of Egypt, he's going to eventually take us out, please God, very soon, of this current uh, exile as well, and going to redeem us. Okay, and then the... Uh, Sefer HaKinuch goes on to talk about different ways that we can integrate Emunah into our lives. We spoke about a number of different things. First, we spoke about the idea of talking about Amuna, and we discussed in Siva Shalom, who said that we need to be in Asatav and Asatav Amuna. We have to sort of like, do we do business with our Amuna? Meaning, do we constantly think about how we can work on our Amuna? And he said, the way we fulfill this mitzvah is by toiling in our Amuna. Not not, it's not judged by how much Amuna we have. It's judged by how much effort and toil we put into developing our Amuna. Okay, then we talked about sacrificing the ability or the interest to sacrifice our lives for God, not just to die, but also to live, Al-Kiddush Hashem, right, to live our lives for the sake of God. And we also spoke about um, wisdom. And we said that uh, believing in God shouldn't just be an emotional reality, but it should also be something that is backed up with logic and understanding. Okay. Um, again, we did discuss other things, but I'm just doing a very, very quick review. Um, what I want to do now, okay, just to really end off our conversation about Amuna. If you look on your, on your sheets, um, okay, it's the same page as in the Siva Shalom and the Nafi Shimshon and the Mitzvah of Meliyahu that we did last week. It's all the way down on the bottom. Okay, it's from the Cholot Halavavot. Before we do the new booklet that I just gave out, we're looking at the booklet from last week, okay? So anyone, everyone should have the booklet from last week. I gave some of them out to people who weren't here. I don't have any more. So if you need one, I'm sorry, Dina. I'll give it to you later. Okay. <laughs> okay. At the bottom of the page, it says Chobot HaLavavot. Does everybody have it? You see it? Okay. So the Chobot HaLavavot in Shar HaBitachon um, talks about, um, he kind of, he, he puts it more into human terminology. Okay. How... How do we develop a relationship of trust with another person? Okay, with a with a friend, with a with another person in our life. And he goes through 
seven different ideas and how only God can really fulfill these seven conditions perfectly. No human being can actually really do this. So what I have photocopied for you here is just kind of like the outline that he gives before he goes into the whole chapter, but we don't really have time to go through the whole chapter in the whole color level. So I just wanted to give you like a little snippet, okay? So I'm going to, we'll read them quickly and I'll explain to you. Okay, the first one, Aleph. Shahu ohev et right? We tend to love somebody who we can trust and who has compassion on me. Because they love me and they have compassion on me, they are willing and able to fulfill all of my needs. Okay, so again, we love someone who has compassion on us. And Hashem loves us more than we can imagine. Okay, the, the feeling of love that we might have for a parent, a child, a, a husband, a friend. We can't imagine the amount of love that, that God has for us, okay? It's unbounded. Um, and so really, in the end of the day, God is the only one who can really ultimately fulfill his expectation to the greatest degree because he loves us more than any other human can possibly ever love us, okay? That, okay, he is concerned and he watches over us meticulously and with precision on all of the things that we need, okay? God doesn't get distracted from us. He doesn't get distracted from what it is that we need. Sorry, this is from last week. This is this week. He's always picking up on our signals, okay? We don't have to give him a whole, like, description and explanation of what we need. He understands who we are. He understands what, what it is that we need. And he is dedicated to taking care of us, okay? God always has our back. I wish we could say that about every other person uh, on the planet, okay? Um, and not to be depressing or negative, but I don't know that I can say that about most people, that they actually have our back when push comes to shove. People are people and they're in it for themselves. And you can't really always trust that another person really has your back, okay? But God always has our back. Gimel. Shavu chazak He is so strong. Sha'af achad eno yecholi no'ato. Okay. Um, is there a reason why the air isn't on? Like, it's um, not working? It's a good question. Someone check if it's working. Okay, Gimel. Shavu chazako kach sha'afachad inu yacholi no otomi lo tzilakol esetono. God is so strong, nobody can get in his way. Okay, if God wants something to happen, it will happen. Nobody can stop God. Okay, you cannot say that about another person. A person might have the best intentions, but they can't always follow through because there's circumstances in life that are out of their hands. God has the ability, the strength to do anything that he wants to do. Okay, that's Gibbon. God understands what really is good for us. Meaning you can have well-wishers and people who are well-meaning, but even if they think that they know you, they don't really know okay, exactly what's going to be best for you. They don't. They might think that they do, but they don't always know. You ever have like a really close friend or a family member try to set you up? Sometimes they can't even set you up because they like care about you so much that no one's good enough for you, right? So they might mean well, but in the end of the day, they're just sabotaging your life. So just thank you very much, but okay, but no thank you. Okay, so God, that's not the way it works with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, okay? Um, he knows exactly what it is that we need. Okay, hey, Shavu Man Higo Ha'yichidim Itzchirat Yitzirato Ba'ad 
Yom Moto. Okay, God has been with us from the beginning of our journey, and He will continue to be with us at the end of our journey. I may have asked Shana and beyond. Okay. He knows everything about us, and he's been with us through thick and thin from the very, very beginning of time, okay? It's very difficult to find a person like that. You might have a friend from, you know, low, you know, elementary school or whatever, but to have someone like that who has known you your entire life, even before you were born, okay, and you know is going to be with you till the end. I mean, I hate, again, I don't want to be negative, but if you think about it, you know, people that you have in your life are going to come and go. That's just the way it is. Nobody is forever. No one is forever. Only God is forever. Only God is going to be with you till the very, very end. Okay? So just keep that in mind. Nobody can touch you without God allowing them to touch you. Nobody can say anything to you without him wanting you to hear what they have to say. You understand? So he's like that protector. He's that wall. Again, sometimes things will get through because he knows that that's what you need to hear or that's what needs to happen. But things will only happen that he knows are for your best. And only he has the ability to really to really protect you from things that are going to be harmful. Okay? And the last, Zion. Okay? He's always our defender. He's always our, has our best interest. And whether we deserve it or we don't deserve it, he's always going to be there with us and always going to be there for us. Yeah. What, well, how, how do you explain, like, No, this is coming at it from the other. That's a different conversation. This is coming at it from the other perspective, meaning I believe that nothing can touch me if God doesn't want it to touch me. You understand? Meaning you want to say something obnoxious to me. Okay. If God doesn't want me to hear that obnoxious comment, something will happen. You'll get stuck on the bus. I don't know. Things will happen to, you know, not give you the opportunity to say that. You understand? I only hear what God wants me to hear. I only experience what he really wants me to experience. My free will is what am I going to do with that? If I do hear that comment, right, then I have free choice. What am I going to do with that comment, with the comment or with that action that was done to me? You understand? He's, he's coming in from the other perspective, not whether you have free choice to say something or not to say something. That's, that's something else. Okay, this is about you don't worry. He's got your back. Again, he always has your back. Okay, so again, I just thought this was interesting to see from, I guess, almost from a human perspective, okay, to develop a relationship. Think about the relationships you have in your life that you're very, you know, the close relationships that, we, that you have. How many of these even come close, okay, to, to the things that we experience with God, okay? So the last thing that I want to talk about as far as the moon, and then we're going to go on to the next uh, mitzvah, is about prayer, okay? We have to also David, okay? And that, that takes a lot of different forms, okay? I'm not getting into here at this point into a conversation about uh, do we have to dive in? Yes, women dive in. No women dive in. Chakras, men cut. That's an aside, okay? Yes, that's obviously very, very important. But the feel of the prayer that we're talking about here, I think, is in addition to that, okay? Personal prayer, taking the time to talk to God throughout your day, bringing God into your life. It's kind of connected to what we spoke about that the Sefer uh, Chinuch brings down, right? That God always has to be on your lips. But, you, you know, you're in an active conversation. You're going into the supermarket. Okay, God, what cereal should I buy now? Now, I know that might sound very silly, okay? But the fact is, is that you're bringing him in to the conversation. I'm going to buy a dress. God, please help me find the right dress for this for this occasion, okay? One that, you know, is covers and, and, and you know, checks all the boxes. Have him be part of your day. 
discuss, talk to him at the end of your day, right? How was your day, God? My, my day was difficult, you know? Um, it must have been hard for you to see this happen or to see that happen. I know, again, it might sound silly when you think about it, but the truth is, is that you're engaging in conversation. I just want you to consider, okay? I remember having this conversation once with someone and they were really struggling, okay, with feeling a relationship with God. And I said, well, do you ever talk to him? Do you ever have that? And they're like, no. I'm like, well, how does that make any sense? Like, if you... You can't complain that you don't have a relationship with your mother if you never talk to your mother. Like you have to, right? Human, this is basic 101, okay? Human interaction, talking to someone, communicating with someone. That's how you develop a relationship. If you never talk to God, how do you expect to feel close to him? How do you expect to have a relationship with him? That's part of Amuna. Bring him into your day-to-day life. Make him real. Make him a real part of your life, okay? That could be his photo to us, whatever you want to call it. Okay, I just want to read with you. On top of where it says page five, which is the next page from what we just looked at. Okay, so this is just a little uh, quote from a little paragraph. I believe this is from um, Rabbi Rishik Sefer. Um, what's it called? The, gar- the Garden of Ramuna. Okay. The main manifestation of Ramuna, Ramuna um, is prayer. Excuse me. Ramuna brings a person to prayer. Does everybody see where I'm talking about? It says five on the bottom. Okay. The main manifestation of Amunah is prayer. Amunah brings a person to prayer. Praying to Hashem is like one-stop shopping. All your needs are under one roof. Hashem is the address for help, for livelihood, for success, or for sending a solution to a problem. The more one prays, the more one sees how remarkably those prayers are answered. Hashem won't fulfill requests for material wealth or possessions unless they're beneficial for a person. But requests for spiritual wealth, for more Amunah, more understanding of Torah, or for assistance in fulfilling a mitzvah are virtually always answered. The bulk of our prayer should focus on our spiritual needs, the nourishment of our souls. And the truth is, you can think about that even if you're if you're davening for something more physical. The way to approach it is, how is this going to allow me to function better on a spiritual level, right? How is this, you know, sometimes just just having things taken care of physically, right? Help me have parnasa so I can I can free up my my worry and my anxiety, right? And I can use that energy to to serve you better, to go to more classes, to teach Torah, whatever the case might be. Think about how your physical needs that you're asking for um, are going to also help with your spiritual needs. That might be one way to approach it. And the truth is, is that when we talk about prayer as being right, we always say it means lahit palel, right? It's like doing it to myself, like I have to judge myself, right? That's what I'm doing when I'm davening is thinking to myself why it is that I want what I'm asking for. And as I'm talking it over, you know, think about it. If you have to call your parents and you have to ask them for money for, I don't know, a new car, right? And you have to sit there and convince them, why is it a good idea for you to buy me a new car, right? I mean, first of all, the fact is, number one, you're calling them and having a conversation. Right. So you're you're interacting with them and it's making you think about, wait a minute, actually, why do I want the new car? You know, and it's helping your parents, a.k.a. right, God on the other line, also understanding you better. Right. You know, your parents want to know what's going on in your life. So they want to hear what's going on in your mind. You know, why is so there's a there's a real interaction that's going on there. That's really what prayer It's supposed to be dynamic. It's not supposed to just be reading some like dead words on a page. Prayer is supposed to be a dynamic activity where I'm actively engaging in conversation with Hashem. Okay. So right next to that is a little prayer. I always like to add this when I can uh, from a book called The Gentle Weapon. It's a little breast of safer on of prayers in English. I have it in my office. I'm happy to show it to anyone who wants. So this is from Likuse Maharan. 
enveloped in faith. My God, you, you and only you know how strongly I want to believe in you, to put all my faith in you alone. Help me make this desire a reality. Help me perceive your presence and draw strength from it. Every moment of my life, through every trial I face, let that recognition bolster my faith in you wherever I go, whatever I do. Beautiful prayer. Put it in your, in your sitter. You start your day with a prayer like this. If you want to have more Amuna, you also have to dive in and ask Hashem for help. Okay? I'm not going to read this. You can read this on your own if you want. This is in English from Abdesler. Things that we can do to help strengthen our Amuna. Um, but I do want to move on right now to the next um, the next mitzvah. Does anyone have any questions before we? Yes. Um, so I've been desiring and thinking about writing poems to Hashem. My own poems. Okay. That is okay. Beautiful. 100%. Yes. Any communication that you can have. And then read them to him. Yes. It's like, you know, write a little love poem and then you can read it to him. Don't just like keep it on the page, you know? Yeah. For prayer as an active conversation, I think it's difficult when we have those set prayers like consider we don't we know it has an effect, it's just it's not asking God for cards. It's like I think so yes. Like aligning what we should be asking God for. And then if we were to have that like natural back and forth conversation, there's no report or back, whatever, there's just I mean there's only this So like how do you put that in? I mean, first of all, there is an element of personalizing your prayers, right? Prayers should not, if you're working on your kavana, right? First of all, you need to know what the words mean. Let's start with that, okay? How many of us read the tefillot and actually know what it is? Even if we're reading it in English, a lot of times we have no idea what it is we're reading. We're reading big words that don't make a lot of sense to us necessarily. So the first thing is understand what you're actually asking for, okay? And then, especially with Shemona Esrei, Okay, to take the time to really personalize it. When you're going through each of the requests, let's say, you know what I mean? What, you know, think about people you know of who need health, people you know of who need parnasa, yourself, who need, you know what I mean? You need das. Hashem, give me das. Help me understand how I can have more amuna in you. Help me understand. You're thinking, you know, modim. Before you say modim and you're thanking Hashem, think about five things you want to thank him for. Think about one thing you want to thank him for. Don't just say empty words. Try to make it something that you feel. Right, something that's that that's active, but again, I don't think that prayer should be reserved just for the sitter. Okay, prayer is also about personal prayer. To take the time every day, even for two minutes, it's again, it's making the time to connect in your own words, you know, and and just talk to him, free talk, you know, just connect in your own words, whatever you whatever's on your mind. Aside from what it is that you said in your, you know, in your, in your tefillos throughout the day. And you sound like you, you know, as I said, part of just going through your day and bringing God into the picture. I mean, as a mother, I can tell you how many times a day I say, oh my God, Hashem, give me a call, whatever, like, oh, what am I, you know, what, what should I say to this child right now? I don't know how to handle this situation right now. And you're, you, you have a fight with a friend and you don't know what to do. You know, don't just think what therapist am I going to call or what mentor am I going to sit with during mentoring hours? Ask Hashem, send me the right answer. What should I do? Send me the right shaliach, right? The right messenger to help me understand what I should do in this situation. And by the way, that's how Hashem's going to answer you. I'm sure every single one of you in this room can tell me that at some point in your life, you sat in a shir and the teacher was talking to you about exactly what it is that you needed to hear, right? Or you see the exact friend you needed to see, or you get the exact phone call that you needed to get. You don't think that that's God answering your prayers? 
He's not going to talk. He's not sending you a text back. You know what I'm saying? I know. And believe me, I'm going to struggle with you. I promise. I get it. I really do. But I think part of it is that we have to open up our eyes and we have to be receptive to how Hashem is going to answer us. It's not... Yes. Seeing God everywhere. Every interaction that I have is God talking to me. I can't find I'll, I'll, I'll have to make you another one. Yeah. I don't have any more. Okay? I have to make you Okay, beautiful. So I just have to make Okay. Okay, or do we do? I hope, did everybody get a good clarity, understanding of what Amuna basically encompasses what it's about? Okay? Fine. We're going to go now on to the second, uh, the second mitzvah of the six content mitzvahs, which is lo meaning you should have no other gods. This is the second of the ten commandments. Say that again. You need more. We have different packets, so she's saying that I'm missing one. She's trying to. Watch I'll make the copies. No, no, no. I have. I have that one. This is the new one right here. Okay. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I think I gave it to you, Oh, I'm so confused. I apologize. Okay. I we're starting the new packet. Okay. Okay. Um, we can actually look at the English. Let's turn to the flip side. Okay. First, going to read about what exactly the mitzvah is in the Sefer uh, Okay. Okay, it says on the top 26, everybody see where I am? Okay. Okay, that we should not believe in any other, in, in any God other than the eternal Lord alone. As it is stated, you shall have no other gods before me, which means you shall believe in no other God but me. Okay, so again, this is not about making idols. This is about not believing in your heart. That's what this mitzvah is about. Not believing in our hearts and other gods. Ramban of, Ramban of blessed memory has written, you will never find scripture saying other gods except in reference to the heart's belief. But in regard to action, it is never stated in scripture, you shall make no other gods. Okay, so he's just clarifying for us. When it says, that terminology is only used to talk about belief. It's never used to talk about not actually making uh, idols. For the term other does not fit with the verb of doing. This is a point well taken by him. The words of a wise man's mouth are a grace. Okay, this precept is the great principle of the Torah on which all depends. As the sages of blessed memory said, whoever accepts idol worship, it is as though he denied the entire Torah. If a person accepts as a God anything, whatever, other than the eternal Lord, or if he worships that thing in its manner of service, i.e. in the way that those who believe in it serve and relate to it religiously, or even if not in its manner of worship, if he venerates it with the four known ways of worship, i.e. ritually slaying a sacrifice, burning its flesh, pouring a libation of wine and prostration, he has violated the precept, you shall have no other gods before me. Pouring a libation and sprinkling blood on an altar, though are one and the same thing, one way of worship and sprinkling blood brings as much guilt as pouring wine. Okay, the root reason for this precept is obvious and known. Its particulars are, for instance, what they the sages said, that if someone accepts as a God any one out of all the entities that were created, then even if he acknowledges that the Holy One, blessed is he, rules over him and his God, he violates the commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Do you understand what he's saying here? Yeah, Zuli, what is he saying? He's saying that if somebody 
Well, he's saying more than that. He's saying, if I say, I believe that God created the sun, but I'm still worshiping the sun. Okay. Even though I believe that God created the sun, that's still a problem. Okay. Because I'm, I'm, I'm giving power to the sun, even though I know that God created the sun. Okay. You're worshiping the sun, meaning you're doing these four things. Yeah. Or it could be one of those four things, or you believe in your heart that the sun has power on its own. You understand? Yeah. If you're a fan of something, is that considered worshiping? Fan? Well, yeah. let's see. Okay. <laughs> it depends. I mean, there are some fans that are like a little bit crazy. Okay. Um, okay. We're not going to read the rest of this um, side of the page. We're going to go to the other side of the page. But he talks about different things, by the way. He mentions that you're not supposed to read books by people who are idol worshippers about their about their Avodazara. So to read a book about Hinduism by some Hindu whatever priest could potentially be part of this um, prohibition. Just putting that out there. Yeah. Again, studying religion and reading a book about, you know, specifically about other gods. If you're ever in that situation, please ask your local Orthodox rabbi. Okay? I am not a rabbi. I'm just presenting. I want you to understand that it could be an issue, and it's important to even know that it's something that you have to ask about. It's not so simple that you could just do read whatever you want about whatever you want. Question. So, but you said it's if it was written by somebody that belongs to that religion. If it was written by somebody who. He's saying specifically reading by Obdev, like if it's the person, if it's people who are actively, you know, serving Practicing. Buddha. Okay. Uh, writing a book about serving Buddha, it would be problematic potentially for you to read that book. Okay, if it's like an outside person just sort of describing what they see, I don't think that's necessarily the same thing. Yeah. I don't know if maybe you can talk about this um, soon, but like you mentioned, like worshiping like your your ego or like your own heart. Well, we'll talk about that. Okay, we'll go on to the next side of the page. Okay, the second paragraph. It applies to both man and woman in every time and in every place. It's the same page we were reading just the other side of that page, okay? The right side of that page, okay? Is that not, I'm sorry. The second paragraph, okay? It applies to both man and woman in every time and in every place. If someone transgresses it and worships an idol in the accepted way of its veneration, or if not in its way of veneration, then in the four modes of worship that we have written, this with witnesses and warning, he is stoned to death. If it was done unintentionally, he is required to bring a standard unvarying hatat. Okay, which is a kind of carbon um, sacrifice. This precept is also one of the group of seven precepts which all people in the world generally were commanded to keep. Okay, so this is even for, this is one of the seven It's one of the seven Noahide laws. Again, how it how it applies to them, I'm not going into that. I am not a Noahide. You can ask your local Noahide rabbi, I guess. I don't know, but he's putting it out there, okay, as one of the Shevon Mitzvah Okay, so first, I, I just want to discuss with you for a, a couple of minutes about Avodazara. Does anybody know how idol worship even got started? Like, where did it come from? First, um, they people knew that everything comes from Hashem, but they were also praising the birth of his hand, like the stars, the moon. He said, if these are made by Hashem and they have so much respect for Hashem, you should also have some level of respect for them, and then they became intermediate and they forgot about it. Exactly. So that's how it started. I thought I, I mean, it was well intentioned, right? It must be that God wants me to venerate these incredible systems that He created. Okay, so that's really how it gets started. Okay, so and then, like you said, it's sort of like 
devolved and God was sort of taken out of the picture, which is the way things happen to people in general. Okay, so again, lo yilacha, lo yilacha is not necessarily denying the existence of God, right? Because as I said before, I can acknowledge that God exists, okay? Um, but what I'm doing is, is that I'm according honor and power to other realities aside from God. Even if I acknowledge that God is who is the one who gave them power, but the fact that I am now saying I am serving the son that God gave power to, that's already a problem. So I, I believe in God, okay? But I also believe that other things have power in addition to God, okay? That's that's a very big problem, okay? What happened is more than people, or in addition to people forgetting about God per se, but I think even before that happened, um, is that people started manipulating these systems to get what they wanted, okay? Because people realize that I can now manipulate, manipulate these systems to, to, to serve myself, okay? Um, which, which is definitely problematic because the truth is in the end of the day, that is sort of cutting God out of the picture. Okay. Because it, it is no longer about me developing a relationship with God. Now it's about me getting what I want. Okay. Now, unfortunately there are people who, who practice Judaism like this too, right? They don't necessarily, you know, ask the son to give them X, Y, or Z, but when they pray, how are they praying to God? They're praying in a way that I want God to give me what I want. Okay. That's my, that's my sense of prayer. And the truth is I'm not, I don't mean to put anyone down at all. I just want you to understand ladies. It's a very, very juvenile and immature way of approaching Tila. Okay. That I'm davening and asking God for something and I'm expecting him to now give it to me. And if he doesn't give it to me, that means I no longer want to pray because it means he didn't listen to my prayers. I'm sure we all hear people talk like this and it comes out of pain a lot of Times, right? You daven for someone later who's sick, and everyone's davening and davening and davening, and what happens? The person dies. And then they're just like, well, forget it. What's the point of davening? God doesn't listen to me anyway. Again, I understand I, I understand the pain, but you have to realize that that is an extremely immature way of understanding prayer. That is not what prayer is all about at all. In fact, I think davening like that is a form of okay, because my whole job is I'm the center. So it's sort of Rebecca, well sort of touch on what you're asking. I mean, we'll, we'll get to it even more. I'm at the center and I want things to happen the way I want it to happen. Okay. So when Avraham, right, everybody knows the famous story. What did Avraham do? Right. He went in and he knocked down all the idols of his father. Okay. So he did. I don't think his argument was that I, is that, you know, idolatry doesn't work. Okay. The point is, is that they do work. There is power. Okay, there is some level of power, but there it's it's power that's created by humans. Meaning, it's like a it's almost like a computer. Like a, a computer is lovely, but unless you program it, it's not going to really work. Okay, so human beings, there are human beings who have the koach, right? Who have the, the wisdom, the power to program, so to speak, these other realities to kind of do what it is that we want. Okay, but we have to understand that. Nothing else has the ability to make choices, to make decisions, to, to have their own mind, so to speak. Okay, it's only God. Only God can do that. These realities, the stones, the this, the that, they, they don't, the voodoo doll, I don't know, whatever it is, like they can't do anything on their own. Okay, they have no ability to do anything on their own. They're totally and completely um, 
dependent really on us, on us taking care of it. Okay, so we have to always believe that Hashem is the source of all the truth that is in the world. Okay, and it is not, he is not something to be manipulated. Okay, just to provide a to provide success for us. Okay, and that, that's so important for us to keep in mind when we're davening. Okay, and so the, the real chaval, as we would say, about Avodah Zarah is that it brings us to a place where we start to view gaining our necessities as in as as an end and not as a means to an end. Okay, um, why is that dangerous? Because again, what's the goal of davening? To create that relationship with God. And so if I am, you know, if I am now looking at engaging, like I'm going to be, I'm going to keep Shabbos because if I keep Shabbos, then I have, then I can barter, you know, with God. Well, God, I keep Shabbos. So now you do something for me. Right. You know what I mean? Like people have that mentality and that's not what it's meant to be at all. Okay. It's not about achieving what I want or what I need by any means possible. Okay. It's what we would call growth, uh, growth-based effort versus result-based effort. Okay. We as Torah-inspired Jews, are we want to focus on growth-based effort. The efforts that we put in is about growing. It's about connecting. It's not just about getting results. Growth-based effort versus result-based effort. Okay, I'll write that on the board. It's about the journey type of thing? Yes. It's about the climb, right? Isn't that a famous song? Yeah. Growth-based effort. I have teenagers. I hear a lot. Growth-based effort versus... Result-based effort. Okay? So the, the danger of Abu Zara is that it becomes all about this. Okay? And that is completely and totally antithetical to what Torah is all about. Okay? That is absolutely not what it's all about at all. I want to show you something interesting, okay? Um, if you look at what it says, page three. By the way, there's a beautiful book about the six plus minutes vote by Berkowitz, Ruth Berkowitz. Highly recommend. I used it a lot when I was preparing this class. I mean, I added other things too, but it's excellent. Um, a lot of it is based on Noah Weinberg's itself from ancient Torah. Anyway, he writes something here pretty sharp, okay? The danger of Sibulos. Has everybody seen? Page three. Okay, the danger of Sabulos. Finally, let us turn to a more beguiling form of ignoring the purpose of the world that has now become somewhat of an obsession. Sagulas. Nowadays, we are encouraged to give a specific sum to a particular charity as a Sagula for good children. To recite Shira Shirim, Parak Shira, or Pitamak Torah for 40 consecutive days to merit this, that, or the other. Or to wear a red string that was tied around Kevarachal for good health. You've all heard of such things before? Yeah. Okay. Like Bomer is coming up. That's always a big one. You're going to see people telling you, you know, don't eat a sum of money. We can put, you know, refreshments at the cover of Rashbi and then, okay, all this stuff. Okay. Is it is it reasonable to consider that Hashem denies Abbas Yisrael the opportunity to build a home for the sake of having her say Perak Shira? Is it possible that Hashem sends someone a dreaded illness in order to get him to wear a string on his wrist? Is, it pop, is a couple put through the agony of childlessness so that they should pay for a specific amount of refreshments to be distributed at the kever of a tzaddik on his yard site? Segulos should never be substituted for a candid examination of our actions that might reveal areas in which we need to improve. 
Beyond that, when we develop a deep appreciation for the mitzvahs of Emunah and Lo and view every situation in life as heaven-sent opportunity for growth, even the most legitimate segulas will be applied only as a component of our total gishtablis, which will invariably include efforts to perfect ourselves and become more godlike, thus taking part in the true purpose of the world. Okay, so this is, I think, extremely, extremely important because we hear about segulas all the time. Um, even having some tzaddik daven for you at the kever of whatever, okay? You see advertisements like that all the time and paying them to do that for you. We have to realize, okay, again, the goal here is the, is the journey. The goal here is the climb. The goal here is not just to get what I want. So if I'm saying parakshira, by the way, anybody know what parakshira is? Yeah, it's a song of nature. Right? It's a beautiful song. It, it's divided into a couple of different parts. And it basically has psukim, right? Verses from everything in existence, right? All creation and how they praise God. It's beautiful. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of that even Tehillim is like that for a lot of people. Yeah, you could say this 100%. It's like, I'll say Tehillim and then God's going to give me what I want. I mean, it's the, same, it's the same kind of thing. Okay? So before you say Parakshira, there's a tefillah to say, okay, like a little yehi ratzon, and it says, kol ha-osik b'parakshira. doesn't say everybody who says parakshira is going to get X, Y, or Z. It says, kol ha-osik b'parakshira. What, is, what does it mean to be osik in something? To be busy, to toil in it, like we said, to toil in my amuna. okay? Meaning, if I make parakshira a reality for me. What does that mean? It's a different way of looking at the world, right? I walk around the earth and I see everything praising God, right? I see everything created by God. I look, I see the world differently. That automatically is going to change me, okay? And when I'm changed, then it's a different story, okay? It's kind of like, the truth is, one thing that I read I thought was very interesting um, about Tfilah. So this Rav was saying, Rav Weichter, I think his name is, he was saying that, um, you know, I remember learning this about Avraham, right? When Avraham was Avram, right? He didn't have a child. And then what did Hashem do? He added a hey, right? And he became Avraham. So now his mazal also changed, right? His, I don't even know how to, everybody knows what that is, right? Mazal, his mazal also changed. What does that mean? So I thought this was very interesting the way he explained it. It's like when you're on a train, you know, and the train is going in this direction and then you skip off the train, you like jump off the train onto another track. Okay, and so it kind of takes you a little bit of a different path. Okay, meaning you're still going in the same direction, but you've gotten off that train. Okay, so when I change myself, right, when I am viewing the world in one way, in a specific way, I'm going in this direction. But it could be that through effort and toil and growth and inspiration, right, and connection, I no longer see the world that way. It's like I have jumped ships, so to speak. Speak, right? I jumped onto a different track and now the train is taking me somewhere else. So that means that my results in my life can also be different. Does that make sense? I, don't, I thought that was very interesting way of looking at it. Okay, so what he's saying about Sabulas is that it's not a magic trick. Okay, this isn't magic. I'm not saying, okay, God, I'm doing this and now you have to give me what I'm asking for. You know, like press the button and then that's what happens. It's not a magic formula. The, a real sabula is something that you really have to work on. I know people who went to the Kotel for 40 days, right, and Davin for a shidduch. Going to the Kotel for 40 days, every day for 40 days, that changes a person, right? It changes a person. You know, you're making a real effort. 
and you're davening with the mate like three times, you know, once a day at least for, for 40, that's a big thing. That has the ability to change you. So it's not about just doing the action, but it's about allowing that action to like be pervasive and really change you. And that can have an impact. Does that make sense? You got a question? When Avram um, Prakate added, was that that was through his own um, merit when that was Hashem, I don't know. I don't know what his calculations were, but it could be. It could be that, you know, he passed some of the tests and Hashem said, yeah, your name is not Avram anymore. It's now Avraham. Like he saw that he, he became a, a different person. He sort of jumped onto a different track. Okay. And now as Avraham, you know, so our, our actual names might not change down here, but it, who knows what's going on in Shemayim? Like we have no idea. Okay. We have no idea. Okay. So, um, did we finish that? Yes. Okay. So um, what I want to show you now, okay, is another idea. Okay, Rav Noah also brings a little bit of a different, yeah, sorry. Yeah, um, earlier, going back to like using like syphilis as a bargaining technique as well, like, so would you say that's completely misguided for people to like make a neighbor or like say like, oh, like if this happens, then like I'm going to donate this much to Tzedakah or like, if this happens, then like I take a vow to like always dominate or something. Like if someone is like in that place. Or I mean, I know people do it, and I don't want to say it's misguided because I know that it, it, it definitely has worked. You know, it has worked. But again, if you think about the nether that people are taking, it's not like if you do that, if this happens, and um, I'll wear red bracelet every day you know to say if this happens i'm gonna like put fill it on every day or i'm gonna put on you know davenates every morning like you're already making changes you know what i'm saying you know i remember there's a famous story of a woman whose child like drowned and she's like right golly and she's really name, right and, I, and she started covering her hair and now she goes around the you know the world like publicizing the smith so like that that's a big thing you know what i mean that's a big thing i think that's i think that's different than just like you know giving a little bit of stuff and saying okay hashem just do what i ask you Okay, it's because it's it's a recognition that in order for this is about growth. It's not just about getting the results. I, so when it, when somebody's making a nether like that, I think it's a little bit different. That's my that's my knee jerk reaction. Yeah. So these prayers and the davening and Shabbat, this is for us. So I can't understand why how it could be for friendship because this is for us. Hashem gave it to us for us because we get a day of rest. We get to spend. You connect with Hashem, uh, you know. But for some people, it's it's hard for them to do that. You know what I mean? So it's a it's going to be different for everybody. What might be easy for you is might you know be difficult for somebody else. You know, so for them, they need to, I don't know, maybe say like, okay, if you do this, and I'll keep Shabbos. You know what I mean? But it, 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 for me, it's been hard to ask for things because I feel like I've been blessed, and if I ask. So, like I'm here to serve you because you gave me everything I need. Okay, Michal, halabai that we should all be on that level. Okay, that's beautiful and that's amazing and that's that's already that's already a high place. Not a lot of people aren't there yet. Okay, we're all striving to get there. So, shkoyach to you. Okay. Um, so again, just to end this idea, we don't want to get more involved in the problem than with realizing that it comes from Hashem. Okay, so like going back to what we were saying before in Amuna, right? If somebody's going to insult you and all you're going to do is get mad at that person and be, how am I going to get back at that person? How am I going to insult them back? And I'm so mad at them. I'm so mad at them. And you completely ignore the fact that God wanted you to hear that insult for a reason. You're missing the point. You understand? You're missing the point. Don't get so involved, okay, in the problem 
that you forget about the reason why God gave you the problem to begin with. Okay. Um, and we're going to actually get back to that in a little while, because that's a very, very important point. Okay. So just as an aside, I think this is interesting because again, why is nature, you know, what is, what is the purpose of nature? If the purpose of nature isn't for us to like get sucked into it or for us to think that it's, you know, powerful, then what is the purpose of nature? And there's actually something that I think about a lot. I think Rav Noach spoke about this idea as well. Any law of nature that we have is really just there to mimic a spiritual reality, okay? So the easiest one that I can think of is the law of gravity, right? What's the law of gravity? What goes up must come down, okay? The same exact rule exists in the spiritual world. Nothing stays like this. What goes up must come down. Every time the Jews get to this place, they always crash. I hate to say it, I'm sorry, just the way it goes. That's the way God created the world for whatever reason. Okay, they were at the peak of spirituality. As Marie showed, right? And what happens? Right? They get to that place again by Harsinai. What happens? Okay? And our history is filled with our situations like this, of getting close and then getting far, and getting close and getting far. Okay? That's one thing that we can learn from the law of gravity. Okay? Nothing stays in a constant state of Aliyah. Rav Noach brings something else that I think is interesting. I think is very appropriate for women who are sitting and learning all day. Okay? So he says, you know, think about the laws of like how the body works in terms of digestion, right? So I eat food, I chew on it, right? I chew it and then I swallow it and then I digest it, right? And anything that's not healthy, right, gets what? Excreted, right, from the body. So he said, that's the way it has to be when I'm walking through my day. Okay, I'm being bombarded with a lot of information, not necessarily just in seminary, right, from a lot of places. I'm being bombarded with a lot of information. So what do I need to do with the information? I mean, look, some of it I can look at and say, this is poison. I'm not even putting this in my body. Okay, other things, I don't know, not sure, put it in my mouth, chew it a little bit, you know what I mean? Swirl it around, how do I like the taste, you know what I mean? I swallow it, it gets a little digested, and I have to like, at the end of my day, part of what I should be doing is thinking about the things that I've heard today, learned today, and getting rid of all the shtuyot, right? As we say, all the stuff that is toxic, all the stuff that's not good for me, just like I, my body excretes all the parts of the food that I eat that is not healthy, I have to get rid. I have to rid myself. We don't just want to do this on Pesach, right? We on Pesach, we do the deep clean, okay? But we need, it's very hard if you save cleaning your refrigerator till once a year, I promise you, it's a disaster, okay? You got to keep it up throughout the year, right? You have to keep it up slowly, like getting rid of all the excess, all the stuff that doesn't belong. It's very, very, very important, okay? So it's, in, it's interesting to view nature that way. I want you to start thinking about it, right? The systems, the way our body works, okay? Different laws of, of physics. Think about what the spiritual reality is, what the spiritual, you know, parallel is. Um, that's really why Hashem created nature. He doesn't want us to get sucked into nature. He doesn't want us to drown in nature. He wants us to understand that this is how he runs this world, okay? And spiritually, there's a lot of parallels between the two, okay? Another angle, okay, from Rav Noach, um, that is very important, okay? And this will kind of go back to what Rebecca's question was, is that he talks about the idea that when you think that you're alone in this world, that you're the one who's running, like you're doing stuff, right? If, if I don't do this, how many times do we think, especially as women, okay? And I'm one of you, right? Mm -hmm. If I don't do this, it's never going to happen, right? I have to take care of this, right? I'm the one who's doing all of this, right? This is 
an element of lo right? This idea of it's all on my shoulders, like everything is, it's me, okay? This is what we call kochi v'otzem yadi, right? It's the power and the strength of my hands. So I just want to show you inside in the psukim, because it's always good to see the source. So this is uh, on the same page as the segulas. So on the bottom, bottom right, okay? In Parshat Ekev. So look at where it says shame. Okay. Beware if you forget God. When you forget, you don't do, you don't guard his mitzvot and his laws, etc. Like I commanded you. He's worried that what's going to happen, you're going to eat, you're going to be full and satiated. What happens, ladies, when we're full and satiated in terms of God? A lot of times, we forget about it. Okay, I don't need you. Thanks for the parking spot. I got the parking spot, God. I don't need your help, right? You're going to have a lot of cattle and you're going to have a lot of money. Everything you have is going to increase. Your heart is going to become haughty. You're going to forget God who took you out of Egypt. Nachash, Saraf, Vaakrav, Vitsimaon, Asher Ein, Mayan, Hamotzilacha, Mayan, Litzorachalamish. He's the one who took you through the desert and you experienced all these thirst and this and that, right? And God was always there to, to help you. He gave you food in the midbar, right? Your forefathers never heard of such a thing. He gave them man. Okay, so giving to you, to make you, to, to make everything good for you. The Yamarta Bilvavach, and you say in your heart, this is where it is, Kochi yadi, asali It's the strength of my hands that made this for me. I always get nervous when I hear the politicians in Israel speak. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, I just want to cry, right? Our army is so strong, and yes, Baruch Hashem, we have an amazing army, and he, Hashem has gifted them with a lot of energy, and a lot of koch, and a lot of intelligence, but really, it's not the army. Hashem is guiding the army, right? Hashem is, is allowing us to, to win these wars. When they say, when they do that, I get so nervous because I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is like, this is bad. Like, what's going to happen? Yeah. The same, uh, often they say that. This is what's saving Exactly. Us. Who gave you the technology for the Iron Dome, right? Every single time the Iron Dome saves us from something, right? We should say, we have to always acknowledge God, but it's very easy for us to be Remember God. He is the one who gives you the strength. In order to be able to fulfill the covenant that he swore to your forefathers. Okay, so just look at the top on the Orachayim. He he actually comments on that last sentence. You should always remember that God is the one who gives you the strength. So if you look at the top, you always have to turn your heart 
to God. And remember that the good that you have is from him. And that is always going to arouse you to recognize your creator and all of the divine providence that he has, that you have in your life. Ladies, this is the first tactic of the Yitzhahara. First thing that he tries to do is to make you forget that God is part of your life. That's the first thing he tries to do. Or he tries to convince you that, why would God want to be part of your life? You're so bad. You always make mistakes. You always do things that are wrong. Why would he want to be there for you? That's a Malik, by the way. That's the voice of a Malik. These are the voices of the Yitzhahara. Okay, as soon as you hear that, you say, Yitzhahara? I see you, right? I see you. I got you. I know it's you. I'm not listening to you. Okay, that's the first thing he's trying to do. It could be that that's why it's connected to this idea of if you forget God. So what's going to happen? If you forget that God is the one who's giving you all the good, in the end, you're going to forget God altogether, okay? And then you're going to start believing in other gods. Not just in thought, but also in action. You're going to start serving them. Say not just in some, you know, conceptual way, but you're going to actually serve them the way that they're normally served, Okay. I want you to, I know when we think of it, one second, when we think of Abu Zara, we think of like some weirdo bowing down to an idol. I think we need to really think hard about the things that we are serving in this world, okay? Whether it's serving myself, okay? It says about someone who gets angry, that when somebody has the highest level of anger, it's like they're serving Abu Zara. Did you ever hear that before? Right? It's like an Ovid Abu Zara. Why? Somebody who gets so angry, that they start throwing things and yelling and acting like a complete, you know, you've seen people like that or heard of such a thing where people lose it. I'm not talking about someone who gets a little frustrated. Somebody who completely loses it. It says it's Ke'ilu Oveda Vodazara. He's like serving. So you tell me why. Why? Because in that moment, you didn't realize that they should So who are you serving in that moment? Because I wanted the situation to work out this way and it did not work out the way I wanted it to. How could that happen? I am so angry that it didn't work out the way I wanted it to. Frustration, recognizing that I'm out of control, and that's it. It's just being out of control. It's not certain. It's not like if you're mad at your husband, you're not cheating by getting angry at him. It's a it's a lapse of trust. Again, there are one second, Adasa. There's different levels of anger. Okay, I'm talking about the highest level of anger. I'm not talking about that. Someone is crazy. Again, so why is it like serving a Did you want to say something also? Yeah, like you're saying that you're angry with, like, when something bad happens to you, you feel like it's unjust, and then therefore you to say what you deserve to have happen in your life or not. You're not in control at all. 100%. So, again, if it's just a matter of like me stopping and thinking, oh wow, I'm really not in control, Hashem, like you're in control. Halavai. But that a person who's at that place of serious anger where they're just like they've lost any sense of brain cells, okay? Mm-hmm. That person is not just, oh, I really wish, you know, I know Hashem is in control. No, they're like, I am so mad at you. How could you do this? I wanted it to be like this, and then he is like this, or Hashem, how can you make this happen to me? This is it was supposed to be like this, and now it happened like that. It's getting to a place where you're just like, 
taking God out of the picture. Meaning if this is the way it happened, that's where God wants you to be right now. But whenever something happens to you and that stuff, okay, as uncomfortable as it might be, I need to stop and say, if this is where Hashem wants me to be right now, then I am happy to be in this place. I am happy. I am happy to be in this place. And I can ask Hashem, what am I supposed to do from this place? Help me understand how I can serve you from this place. Okay? But my Ratzon is your Ratzon. If this is what your Ratzon is, then this is what my Ratzon is. I will it to be this way. Okay? So what are is the lack of recognition of God in any given moment. And so therefore, all of this that we're talking about is like, the mitzvah is getting rid of that. The mitzvah is the opposite. The mitzvah is not to not serve, it's to recognize God in every moment. Exactly. Yes. See okay. God in every moment. Everything that happens is directly from him. Nothing has power outside of him. Nothing can hurt me. You know what I'm saying? Only God runs the show. So anything that happens to me, it's all coming from him. Okay, the first three of the six consonants, because we're going to see the next one is Yichud Hashem, like Achdut Hashem, unity of God. They're all connected one to the other. They all touch on different subtleties, but they all are very, very much connected. Jamie, does it make sense? Yes, yes I just want to say to clarify. So it just, it's, when you're at that level, it's your ego, basically. Yes, yeah. exactly. When you're at the How center, instead work? of God being at the center. Why can't just say, recognize God as an all-powerful God? Why does it have to say, don't serve other gods? Because I can recognize God as an all-powerful God, but still think that other things have power. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, God's great, but but, which is how most of us live our life. We all do this to, to a larger or lesser degree, okay? And we all have to strive. But to, to get to a place where I acknowledge Hashem is in control, Hashem runs the world, he, this is where he wants me to be. Anything that I have is from him. Anything I don't have is also from him, right? And everything is coming from him, okay? 